Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and all my venture crypto capitalist friends out there. Welcome to another episode of ICO 101, a Crypto 101 podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Paul. At ICO 101, we look at initial coin offerings, security token offerings, utility token offerings, and general crowd sale offerings from an average consumer's perspective. We preview pre and post sale offerings while engaging with the leaders of those companies in order to help you make an informed decision on how you want to participate in these tokens, securities, or initial coin offerings. ICO 101 Podcast is on the Crypto 101 Podcast feed, so please find Crypto 101 Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and CastBox. Leave a positive rating and subscribe to it. It helps us stay in the top charts. Visit our website at ICO101Podcast.com. I'm very active on Twitter, so please follow me there, at Sup Aaron Paul. While you're there, follow the show at ICO101Podcast. Send me all the private messages you want. I love getting them, and I try to respond as fast as I can. And just as a reminder, folks, I'm not a professional investment institution, bank, lawyer, or accountant. I'm not offering any legal, accounting, or financial advice, so please make sure you listen, take notes, research, and make your own informed decision regarding STOs, ICOs, ITOs, and general crowd sales. In today's episode, I sat down with the founders of the Dusk Network to talk about their privacy blockchain. What is it? How does it work? And what are the future use cases of Dusk? I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Please leave your feedback. And without further ado, let's get into Dusk. Hey, everyone. This is Matthew Aaron. Sorry to interrupt. I just had to pop in and tell everybody about Crypto 101's Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency is now available for sale. Pick up a copy on anywhere you enjoy buying your books from. Amazon, Kindle Paperback, Barnes & Noble, Nook and Paperback, iTunes, eBook, and much more. You can even pick it up using Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Litecoin. Find the link in the description below and pick up your copy today. Ama, the tech lead of Dusk, and Yella, the business lead of Dusk. Welcome to ICO 101. Very glad to be here. It's a, an absolute pleasure. Guys, I'm very happy to have you on the show so that we can get an ICO 101 on Dusk. Before we get into Dusk, why don't you guys tell the listeners who you guys are? So I have roughly 20 years of, uh, of experience in uh, uh, complex system developments. I started my career in uh, a traffic control system. So whenever you are flying over Italy or Southern Europe, you're flying on a piece of code that I contributed to develop back in 2001. Then I moved to a lot of different places and uh, I ended up to be the uh, research and development director at TomTom, the navigation company, and uh, I created the traffic service that right now is serving, I believe, 250 million automotive devices all over the world. Hmm. Uh, and uh, then I fell in love with the idea of consensus methodologies, and uh, you know, there isn't really anything that is more pertinent than blockchain. So I had the call like, you know, like a, like a software monk to drop everything I was doing and to start researching the topic. And after researching it for quite a consistent amount of time, together with my co-author, uh, Fulvio Venturelli, we uh, created the Dust Network. So I'm a technologist, if you if you will. But uh, you, I'm also an entrepreneur since uh, five years. Yeah, so I'm a yellow pole, uh, business lead at uh, Dust Network. 
have a, a bit more of a business background, but it's always been linked to technology. I used to work for a, a application platform startup that was recently acquired by Siemens and spent a good chunk of my career uh, at Shell, the energy company, where I worked in kind of their IT and technology departments. Mm-hmm. Some of my achievements there were building data platforms for things like uh, things like offshore wind farms, uh, working in the renewable energy space, and uh, kind of starting up the the enterprise blockchain team at uh, at Shell, which is really how I got into the space. And then, as I really kind of got into blockchain from the tech side, I started to get more and more into it from the kind of uh, permissionless cryptocurrency side as well. And then ultimately, or very similar to Emanuele, uh, the call became too strong. So I uh, handed in my letter of resignation at Shell and um, ventured out into the wide world of blockchain. And then I've been working uh, on Dusk for roughly a year now. And uh, finally, it's in the shape where we're taking it public. So that's very exciting for us. Yeah, I bet it's a very exciting time. How did you two meet? We started in the blockchain space, basically consulting from both of our ends, right? So Emanuela had a very technical firm that helped with things like development and and system design. And I had a more business and marketing focused firm that helped with things like go-to-market strategies and and fundraising and getting the right exposure. And we, we worked a little while for a shared client. And that's kind of where we got in touch uh, with each other hit it off way more with kind of our respective companies than <laughs> with that customer at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that kind of evolved into um, the collaboration that is now uh, Dusk Network. The Dusk Network bromance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the romance story. <laughs> Guys, let's get into Dusk. I want to start with the end result first and then work backwards into the technicals or the 101 of Dusk. I want to take Crypto 101's Johnny on a ride to Imagination Land. Without all the technical jargon, you have Johnny close his eyes and imagine the world as it is today. Then you tell him to imagine a world now with Dusk Network. In it, what does an everyday world powered by Dusk look like? A world with Dusk Network um, is basically a world where you can... You know, have all the good things about privacy whilst also being compliant with all the all the kind of regulators, right? So what we're trying to do is build a protocol that enables a kind of blockchain reality that is not just kind of convenient or easy to build, but that is actually usable in the real world. So you so, can pay for any. Yeah, so you can, for example, pay for anything you want and have that payment be completely private without being shady or regulator unfriendly. Or you can be a small, medium-sized company and raise funds using the blockchain uh, whilst being fully in line with all the legalities of your local jurisdiction. Or you can communicate or transfer all types of files or, or other important documents with you know, the, the best privacy there is um, without ever having to resort to kind of uh, the more shady networks uh, that, that are available. We really want to position privacy and transparency as forces of good and allow people to build uh, on top of a protocol that you know allows them to use both in the in the kind of right mix. That's uh, that's really what we're after. If I if I might be allowed also to imagine a little bit the future. Sure. You know what I really do imagine is a future in which if I have, for example, uh, a company, right? Uh, it doesn't matter how technologically wise is this company. Let's say that it's an average company, like, I, I don't know, a bakery or a shoe shop. Let's say that I am quite 
successful locally in my city. But right now, uh, I, I want to survive. I want to expand. I want to go, probably I want to go national. Probably I want to go international, you know, with my shoe shop. So I start to open up other different, different other shops, but that's still local. In order for me to expand, what do I do as a wise business owner? So uh, I need cash, I need capital. I need capital in order to expand. So what are my options? Right now, in 2018, what are my options? Well, if I do not have uh, an incredibly innovative company, if I do not have access to uh, business angels or VCs or anything else, my, the only thing that I can do is to either go to a bank and get a loan, or uh, try to, uh, you know, sell equity in order to access capital. It's very difficult for, for a shoe shop to get capital from VCs. It's very difficult to get it from angel investors because normally they want a business which can disrupt technologically some kind of status quo. So in 2018, I would go to a bank. In 2019, when Dusk becomes an established protocol that doesn't scare off regulators, but provides, you know, all the different requirements that need to be implemented by cryptocurrencies in order to be regulator friendly, like, for example, providing confidentiality so that nobody can uh, manipulate price by simply uh, advertising a position on a market but also providing the capability for regulators to be sure that, you know, there aren't really bad actors that are getting into that particular cryptocurrency, then I can use the power of securities in order to offer tokenized equities for how mundane my business is to everyone. Suddenly, I can compete with banks that normally choke with their interest rates uh, in businesses, I can compete with them by emitting securities, so emitting equities, tokenized equities, without having all the different legal burden, without having all the paperwork, and without having to waste a hell of a lot of time in trying to be regulator-friendly, because there is Dusk, which provides off-the-shelf this uh, friendliness while still keep the confidentiality and offer this equity to the public. This suddenly turns the capability of financing businesses that are indeed successful, but probably not really that interesting for, you know, the huge giant VCs, Andres Sorovitz or whatever, but they are very interesting for uh, the plethora of retail investors that have of that, you know, suddenly can access a real business or can access equity, liquid equity that can be traded. So a liquid asset class and financing these particular businesses that way. This is how I imagine the future of Dusk. Thank you for that. On your guys' white paper and website, it says Dusk Network is a decentralized infrastructure that enables fast, anonymous, and secure bi-directional transmission of data among equipotent peers paid for by a private-oriented cryptocurrency. Can you guys give the listeners a 101 on what the heck all that means? And you guys can present it in any order or explanation you feel is best. Beyond all the different technical formalism, 
uh, behind Dask, there is one simple thing to be understood about Dask as a cryptocurrency. We try uh, using cryptography to reconcile confidentiality and privacy with transparency. That is what we are trying to do. This is the, you know, the, the, the end goal that the Dask network has. In order to do that, then you have to have a privacy-oriented infrastructure that doesn't leak information either about a sender of a certain transaction, the recipient of a certain transaction, nor the amount of that transaction. And this is why, you know, that, that is the confidentiality part. But we also, you know, differently than anything else that is on the market right now, we took a step more in order to provide, at the protocol level, a very powerful capability to demonstrate with a cryptographic primitive called zero-knowledge uh, cryptography that certain particular transactors, so participants in the network, have been going through a pre-processing so if we are talking about the regulated market then normally this pre-processing is the kyc and the aml processing that guarantees that you know the transactors so the network participants are not bad actors and once you have that guarantees because the kyc and aml is regulated is you know is provided by certain vendors that have got a license from that is coming from the government so once somebody undergoes this kyc then we achieve inside of the dusk network the capability of removing all the credentials or all the identification part and retain the guarantee that the address the concealed address that identifies inside of the Dask network that particular participant has indeed underwent the KYC process. So still nobody knows who's transacting, nobody knows what they are transacting, but because of these particular cryptographic primitives, then we can provide the mathematical guarantees that all participants have been pre-approved by regulators. And this is how we provide best of both worlds. The confidentiality that is going to be very important for any kind of business. I'm pretty sure that Yella wants to say a couple of words about it. But also the capability of guaranteeing regulators that there's nothing shady going on. There is only very good business transactions that need to be concealed without resorting to the normal middleman, normally a broker or dark pools or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And this obviously is very beneficial to any business because it slashes completely the costs of this middleman. And that is the vision for a decentralized world, which is still regulatory compliant, but can, that can provide also the necessary confidentiality so that people that transact, for example, with their uh, doctors do not really need to you know, broadcast on an open ledger like Ethereum or Bitcoin mm -hmm. that they are paying a doctor. You know, uh, same thing for legal bills or same thing for uh, uh, assuming a position on a regulated market. Yale has got a very good example that he was uh, speaking about. Probably he wants to take over from me mm -hmm. right now. So if we, if we take it from that description, right? So 
the big thing that we're introducing is flexible privacy, right? So like Emanuela said, you have open ledgers like Ethereum and we have closed ledgers, but there's not really anything in the middle yet. So that's really what we're trying to introduce, right? So different levels of privacy that, that match what we actually need in the real world and, and not just what we can build on blockchain now. The reason this is important is, well, we already had the example Emanuela just mentioned, but when you look, for example, at big capital funds, um, oh, well, now let's take it back a little step, right? Because we, we're, we're talking to Johnny. So you're on Reddit, I assume, or, you know, sites like this. And you see what happens, for example, when somebody touches a Mt. Gox wallet or, or, or a Silk Road wallet, the internet kind of explodes, right? People start panicking, the price starts dumping, and you get this kind of cascading effect. Now, the reason this happens is because the ledger is open. So people see this. Uh, this transaction, right, of this huge amount of funds, etc. Now, when you look at a regulated market, this is called market manipulation, or you know, at least something close to it, right? It's, it, it shouldn't happen. Right. It's, um, it's when the news says this whale is moving a hundred million dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 you know, it's like uh, you know, this is why Elon Musk got fined twenty million dollars for you know, saying something about the share price, you know, it's not allowed in a regulated market. And if we want to mature crypto, then we need to start thinking from a perspective of regulation and not from a kind of wild west landscape. So uh, when we talk about what's holding institutional money back, well, it's stuff like this, right? Because uh, if you're on Ethereum and you're a big VC and you want to exit a $5 million position and you move this to an exchange, but you know what it's like, these wallets are mapped out, uh, people will see this move, the price will start dumping, there'll be a reaction. Uh, so not only are you publicly broadcasting all your positions and thereby kind of ruining your competitive advantage, you're also destroying your own value every time you want to sell something uh, because people notice they start dumping and, and there's this kind of uh, chain reaction, right? So when you look at institutional money or all types of business processes, then they actually need much more privacy than they're currently getting to be compliant, like, you know, like privacy is not the opposite of regulatory compliance. They are very often the same thing, but based on your use case, you know, they're used in different proportions. This is really what we're looking to introduce, the right level of privacy and transparency for any type of use case that wants to build on top of the dust. Just so I clearly recap what you just said, the aim is regulatory compliance, but B, be private at all levels, but private enough to where AML, KYC is compliant, and you're, you're going to have a secure wallet base where, say, some dude can't look up some other dude or know that there is any kind of public big trade, $100 million, $200 million, even $10,000. That will be private on your network. Yeah, so we're introducing basically as much privacy as we can whilst we are still regulatory compliant, right? So it works for big transfers. So like, you know, what the example I just mentioned, when you're moving millions or dollars or, you know, whatever. But also, it works for communications. So if we are having this video call and I want to increase my privacy by using some Dusk, then you know, people will also not be able to see that transaction. So, yeah, we want to introduce the level of privacy that we need and that we are using in the everyday world mm. uh, whilst being compliant. 
and leveraging the benefits of decentralization, right? Because that's ultimately the whole goal of the blockchain. So taking out the middlemen of regulated markets. And, and yes, I'll... I think, so, so, sorry to interject, but I think that this is exactly what we want to do. And uh, probably can, uh, you know, everything can be summarized with the following. We want to remove the middleman from the regulatory market. That's actually what we are trying to do here. Right now, the confidentiality of transactions are demanded to a third party that keeps everything concealed. And the auditability of transaction is demanded to a third party that can disclose these transactions on request. Mm. If anybody wants to clear from or to delete this middleman to, uh, you know, have a true decent. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Centralized, through decentralized market, then you need to remove this middleman. Dusk removes it using segregated Byzantine agreement and using this transparent confidentiality and zero-knowledge cryptography. I want to get into the Dusk coin. I'm confused as to whether it's a currency or a token. And it's a currency. <laughs> okay. And, but, and here's the reason why I ask is, is because of its relationship with services. So you can use Dusk coin for media on-demand services, video and audio conferencing, file transfer and online storage, communication channels for the Internet of Things and critical applications, right? What does all that mean? How does the relationship work? Can you give me some, walk us through some examples of a, how Johnny would use that in his everyday life? I'll just keep it really simple, right? I kind of use some terms that are known in the crypto space so that it becomes conceptually uh, quite easy. So Dusk is, uh, is its own blockchain, right? So Dusk is, a, is yes. a currency comparable to how Ether is the currency on the Ethereum chain. Sure. Now, what you can do on top of Ethereum is build all kinds of stuff, right? So there's the ERC-20 token. It's quite well known. There's ERC-721, for example. And there's all these kind of, you know, you can build all kinds of stuff on top. And it's the same for Dusk. So, for example, you can build a security token. Uh, on top of Dusk using our security token standard, you can also build another type of kind of uh, dApp that wants to leverage the kind of unique benefits of, of Dusk network. So for mm -hmm. example, 
a communication dApp. So let's say, well, we're using Skype, right? So let's say you want to build a version of Skype on top of Dusk that functions very much in the same way, especially or except for when you want to crank up the privacy. And that's when you spend a few Dusk coins to, instead of a normal kind of peer-to-peer -peer call like we're having now, mm -hmm. we will be routing that call through the Dusk tech stack to achieve confidentiality, right? Uh, and then you spend a few Dusk like you would spend gas on the ethereum chain for example and you'll use it in transactions and in using zero knowledge smart contracts or it can be used as a as a fundraising currency for security token offerings and that's really how you should see this kind of currency be spent and one of the big differences here potentially is that what we saw with ethereum is that everything that's built on top uh, issues its own token, right? This makes sense when you're talking about a security token because then you're representing something that has actual value, right? Like mm -hmm. equity or you name it. But when we're going into the kind of decentralized app space, uh, we're starting to see that this might not make as much sense as we previously thought, right? So when you're looking at the Dusk ecosystem, it will be much better for apps building on top of Dusk network to, for example, use the mainnet currency because that's ultimately you want to drive the value to the ecosystem and not fragment it across a bunch of useless tokens, basically. Got it. Are you guys imagining Dusk coin as a retail spend currency? Yes, absolutely. To philosophize a little bit around how, how does a token capture value, right? So we, we spend a lot of time on this. So Dusk is not a security token, it's a utility token, right? And when you look at utility tokens, there's kind of two big drivers of value. So one is kind of scarcity or removal of supply, which kind of speaks for itself, right? And then the other one is uh, um, store of value, so value storage. So when you look at these two big drivers that allow you to capture value in a utility token, then kind of Dusk ne needed to fit both, right? So Emanuela briefly explained our, our node economy in the beginning. Uh, for you, you can imagine a kind of baseline amount of Dusk will be held up in this node economy, right? And then using all the various services on top of Dusk network, there will probably be a small kind of burning effect. And you also have stuff like wallets getting lost. So there's this kind of small percentage or fraction of a percentage every year of Dusk that gets lost. And all this together basically forms your, your scarcity driver, right? So how many Dusk is kind of removed from supply. And then the second big one is a store of value. So how do you kind of store value in a currency? Well, that's all about liquidity, right? And, and, and if you can actually use it for stuff. So you want a lot of Dusk uh, moving uh, because that means it's adopted, right? You can use it to pay for stuff. You can use it to fundraise with. You can use it to build applications with. Kind of, you name it. And 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 as soon as you get this adoption and this liquidity going, well, then there's a few other factors you need. For example, the ecosystem needs to be technically robust and kind of like politically robust. And 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 this is not just something for Dusk to solve, but something that is maturing in the whole crypto space. But if you can provide a stable currency that as a unique utility, so in the payment space, for example, you know, we're a confidential uh, and faster version of Bitcoin, for example. So there's a very big uh, slice of the pie that we can capture there. Mm. And, this is, and this is ultimately the goal, right? Because I think that there's only room for maybe 10 utility tokens to really compete in the store of value uh, space. 
uh, where we're talking mainstream kind of payment solutions and we're going for that confidentiality niche um, but there's no reason if you know with our speed and scalability why we couldn't capture the kind of transparent part of that market as well so this is kind of long term uh, at the risk of sounding arrogant but you know when uh, if, the, if does network is successful and and we deliver on the roadmap that we're you know that's currently going quite well then we we need to end up in that kind of top 10 of, uh, of utility uh, currencies because it's the only way to sustainably capture value hmm. I, I want to segue into the dusk foundation uh, the fundraising sure. and the roadmap since you talked about it my first question is about the foundation uh, the Dusk Foundation, what's its relationship to the network? And I know that, that might sound simple, but I've seen network structures where the foundation has a relationship with the network, but the network is its own deal with other foundations that can insert within that network. So Dusk Network is the protocol, right? So it's the blockchain we're building. It's the product that we want to build and, 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 and see adopted. So the foundation is, was basically created to oversee that. So the reason we went for a foundation is, well, there's all types of benefits also from kind of uh, fiscal angles, but it also aligned with kind of our belief that, you know, we just came out of quite a tumultuous year in, in crypto, right? And there's a lot of uh, scams, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. And, and the transparency and the legitimacy of a foundation that is incorporated in the Netherlands in quite a strict kind of regulatory environment, it's not on the Cayman Islands or something like that, you know, uh, we felt was really important because, you know, it, it means that we are tied to certain rules and to certain transparency and to certain reporting uh, that kind of keeps us uh, on a regulatory leash, but we see that as a very good thing because it means you have to perform and you have to perform in the right way. And, and it means that we are only able to spend our money, for example, on the goal that we have set for ourselves, which is the building and adoption of Dust Network. There's no profit at the end of the year, right? There's nothing like that. Everything has to go back into the project. And uh, this is a signal that we thought was very important to, to give to our investors. And what you will see over time is, you know, if, if once Dust Network is live and, and, and solutions are building on top of it and the training wheels start coming off, then it might very well be possible that Dusk Foundation doesn't need to exist anymore or, or it starts to exist in a different way as a bit more of an ambassador. But ultimately, we have no ownership of this protocol, right? We're simply building it to release it into the world. What kind of uh, transparency regulations are there with being incorporated where you're at? The Dusk Network is a, is a product, right? So uh, we want to provide the capability of third parties, uh, any kind of business to uh, emit or to organize a fundraising on top of the Dusk Network and to issue their own securities on top of it in the form of, a, of, a, of another token, a token that is built on top of the Dusk Network. Mm. Uh, so Dusk uh, itself doesn't really require any license or to be regulatory compliant because it, it is a, pro a product like, sure. like the Internet. But, uh, and this taps very well into the question about the nature of the Dusk Foundation. So the Dusk Foundation target is to develop the protocol. And if we are very successful, then we will put ourselves out of the job in two years' time. <laughs> <laughs> 
but in order to have you know the necessary the necessary adoption from third party that for example want to use dusk as in order to uh, fund themselves in order to um, to issue their own security tokens then they need to do so in different kind of legislations depending on what kind of uh, or where they operate and we have an extreme focus on europe uh, to begin with and this is also why we are um, very active in Malta because the reg the regulators there are very crypto friendly, mm -hmm. and for those uh, particular securities, for those particular propositions, they need to obtain uh, a security license, uh, and this security license, depending on whom they are offering their own equity or uh, uh, you know uh, security debt uh, bonds, whatever it is, then they either need to uh, choose. To, uh, you know, offer them to the public, and therefore they fall uh, inside of the public uh, security regulation, and they need to obtain uh, that particular license, which, by the way, is not only uh, valid in Malta, it's, uh, it's European Union-wide. Uh, it's actually simpler for us to guarantee uh, a short cut uh, in, in Malta, because we know the regulators very well. Mm -hmm. Or if they are only uh, marketing their product or selling their product, their securities to accredited investors, then they can do so just with the normal security license, which is cheaper to obtain, but of course it pro provides quite more restrictions to the investors. Where are we at today with the, uh, the roadmap? And what can we expect from the network in six months to a year? And when will Johnny's imaginary world with Dusk become fully realized? I can imagine that in uh, six months' time, we will be able to go into mainnet. So in six months' time, uh, we will be able to uh, launch the first security tokens that at this particular point in time are undergoing the necessary regulatory path. And do I understand correctly that you guys are only doing a private sale raise, you're not doing a crowd sale? That's correct, but there, there's a small nuance there. So one of the things that we were kind of blessed enough to announce last night, and, and, and probably by the time this goes out, all the follow-up announcements will be public as well, is that we partnered with uh, iFinex. So that's the mother company behind the Bitfinex and Ethfinex exchanges. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of part of uh, kind of their first new product that they're launching uh, where they can host uh, token sales, for example, on the Ethernet platform. So aside from kind of the free listing and all the other support we're getting from them, uh, all the good stuff that's happening in December, we're also kicking off a small public sale on the Ethernet platform uh, early November. And all that information will be out today and tomorrow. Awesome. Um, so, so there will actually be a, a public sale and it will all be hosted on the on the Ethernet platform for all the Ethernet and the Bitfinex users. I want to wrap up by zooming into the business operations <laughs> leadership and the contrast between failing businesses and poor leadership versus successful businesses and excellent leadership in the operations is undeniable. I was listening to a podcast, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast recently, and he had this yeah. guest on named Matt Higgins. I don't know if you guys listen to Gary. He has Matt Higgins on, who's the new Shark Tank investor, and they were both mm. in agreement that they bet on the jockey, not the horse, meaning when they're investing in a company, they yep. bet on the leaders, not the idea or the concept. And I, I agree on that point. I think most people would. So when I was digging into your business, I didn't find much in the way of who's running your organization. It's not clear. 
and I know we talked earlier about what you guys prefer to call yourself, but uh, Ama, you know, you're the tech team guy, right? And Yella, you're the business team guy. But who yep. runs the business? Like when somebody looks you guys up and they say, these guys are in charge, these guys are running the show. And what does your business look like on a day-to-day basis? There's a few aspects to that, right? And I think if the question boils down to who runs the business, then it's the two of us. And because it's a foundation, uh, we are both kind of equal directors there. So if you want to dive mm-hmm. into the details, then Emmanuel is the chairman of the foundation. So if you need someone to compare to a CEO type role, then it would be Emmanuel. And his prime focus next to that is running the tech team, right? Mm-hmm. So I, you could see me as the vice chairman of the foundation and I run the business team. In practice, what this looks like is that we have operations in the Netherlands and globally, but we have most of our offices in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. We have one in Rotterdam and one in Amsterdam. And in Amsterdam, that's where the whole tech team is. So they're all together focused on cranking out the best protocol they can, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have a business and marketing arm in Rotterdam. And, you know, these offices are just, you know, under 40 minutes apart. So I'm over at both all the time. But that's where we run the business operations, right? So that's where the marketing is done, uh, where we're building out this STO incubator, where we're working on the race, and, and we're kind of all the business and marketing day-to-day is happening. So while we are probably kind of almost co-CEOing it as uh, directors of the foundation, mm-hmm. we are leading our own teams and allowing these teams to focus on, on what needs to be done now and not bother each other with unnecessary stuff. And we kind of take care of all that day-to-day coordination. Why won't Dusk fail? And if it does fail, why would it? And what will you do if it does? Dusk cannot fail. That's as simple as that, because Dusk Network is a protocol. This means that if our privacy is successful, and uh, it actually seem, <laughs> seems like it, thank God, <laughs> then it is going to create a protocol. If we are successful in creating the protocol, then we will create a community that will develop the protocol and is going to be completely independent on the Dusk Foundation. The Dusk Foundation is bound to dismantle itself at some point when the community is going to be mature enough. At this particular point in time, I do not see, considering all the different uh, utilization that the Dusk Network has, uh, you know, somebody said that an idea cannot be killed. And the Dusk Network is an idea. It is Mm -hmm. uh, a a white paper. It is a a protocol. If you read our white paper, you won't find any reference to any business. And it was done like that on purpose because we want to create a protocol that, you know, we can only imagine uh, the most, probably the the, the next uh, use cases. But... What we want is for anyone to take it, to build on top of it, to twist it. So as a protocol, the Dusk Network cannot fail. Just the fact that it is out there, just the fact that it's being built, just the fact that there is a research. We have an awesome research team, by the way. Our lead cryptographer is the inventor of Equiash, which mm-hmm. is the hushing algorithm of Zcash. We have 
uh, people uh, formerly on the NEO research uh, that, that are basically our uh, one of the core developers and the senior researcher. We have the former developer of Mozilla that is taking care about, you know, the, the virtual, the dusk distributed virtual machine. So all these things, they, they are going to be uh, released. They are going to be rolled out. And of course, we have a very good idea on how to create businesses on top of it. But what we want to do is to unlock a technology that we can imagine its utilization for the coming two years. Mm-hmm. But we want it to be self-sufficient. We want it to, to have its own life at some point. So I don't think that in that respect we can fail. When the foundation dissolves, is that success? Mm-hmm. When there yes. is a community of 10,000 people, is that success? Is it 10 mm. in the community? Is it 100 in the community? What does success for the network look like? One of the things I'm most excited about is, you know, we're building it now and we're also building these incubators to help people to build on top of this network. But what will happen at some point, right, is that you'll see uh, other kind of third parties uh, that will build their own business around helping others build on top of this network. And mm-hmm. what will be a very exciting day for me is when that day could already be a few months from now or half a year from now when I hear some other startup or some new company appearing that focuses on, you know, building on top of Dusk Network or that's building all these cool propositions on top of Dusk. Uh, and they did it without, you know, a minute of our time, right? They, they, they're they self-sustained. We built the right standard. We built the right APIs, for lack of a better term. And, um, you know, it's it's starting to lead its own life. And then once it has its own life, then I guess that's, you know, the real success. But I think when we start to see that movement, that would already be a very exciting day for me. And I really, you know, look forward to us becoming redundant. <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate you guys answering the question. I know it's personal. And when you have founders who are as passionate about what you guys are doing, it's a tough question. Yeah, man. And if it all, you know, if the whole internet, everything ceases to exist, then you know, we'll start taking out some middleman uh, uh, somewhere else or, you know, <laughs> build something else that's cool and passionate and, you know, that, 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 that you know, keeps you up until the late hours to, you know, to put those final uh, the dots on the eyes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Gentlemen, where do you want people to go to check you out? You should go to dusk.network. You'll find all of our other channels there. And if you want to join the public sale, then it will be on eatfinex.com. I'll link all that in the show notes. Guys, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, Thank you for your time. Let's keep in touch, and um, I'll continue to follow your guys' project closely. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. So much pleasure. Thank you. Yo, yo, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, then check out the links on the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to ICO 101 Podcast by going to the Crypto 101 Podcast feed that is found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and CastBox and leave a positive review. Please follow me on Twitter at SupAaronPaul. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter as well at ICO 101 Podcast. Until next time, peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.